Thank you, God, for your presence here this morning. God, we just want more and more of you. God, we know you're just getting started, Lord. So we thank you for the words you're about to share with us, God. Just help us to hear it, God, and to apply it, Lord, and just teach your presence, God, in every moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord, amen. And let's, let's thank the Lord for the words that he just shared with us, not just what, he, what he's going to share through me. He just shared right now. And he, praise the Lord. So, Father, we give you praise. Lord God, we give you honor, and we give you glory, and we thank you for that great word that you have just been sharing with us, all right, since the beginning, since, 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 we, since we turned the lights on this morning, Lord God, the word that you have been sharing with us, sharing through us. I thank you for these men and women, Lord God. I thank you for their leadership in our life, and Lord God, we submit to that leadership, and we're just going to continue that worship in your name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Welcome to the church. Amen. I'm pretty happy to be here because <laughs> I'm going to tell you something today again, all right? <laughs> so, but, but I'm going to tell you in a way, hopefully, that just kind of just, just challenges us in, in, in our thoughts, all right? We just got through singing, all right, because we know, you know, you're alive, right? Do we just sing that? Because we know. Because, and I want you to think about what we just said. Because we know. Not because we heard or we think or it feels good, you know what I mean? To, you know, but, but, but because we know. Now, I know some of us here, we don't really know that yet, but stay with us, man. Stay, because it's going to get crazy. All right? But I want to just challenge you to think about this, man. Because we know he is alive, all right? Because we know he is alive, all right? Collectively and even individually, all right? We, the church, right? We, the church, exist to make it easier for people to know Jesus. Amen? Amen. All right, and our work is to lead people into that growing relationship with Jesus. All right, we, we, want, we want to make it easier for people to know Jesus by removing, all right, some obstacles, very man-made obstacles that we, that we have been, that, you know, that, that have been put, all right, between a relationship of Christ and, and, and the people who are trying to get to know Jesus. And these, 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 these obstacles have been sometimes created by the church over the years, all right? And sometimes we create them ourselves. Or for a lot of years, I would see people walking into a church, and I can imagine these hoops. They go in, and they get smaller, and they go in, and then, and then over here, maybe you can know Jesus, all right? And so we exist as a church to make it easier for people to know Jesus and to lead them into those, that growing relationship. You know what's crazy, man? Is it, is it, it seems that when it comes to faith in Christ, all right, the easiest thing to do is to make it harder. You ever notice that? And it seems when it, when it comes to your relationship with Christ, you know, and faith in Christ, the easiest thing to do is to make it harder. And, it, and this isn't an old thing. I mean, a new thing. This is a very old thing. I mean, back in the church, when the church just first hit the ground, right, and they started making moves, this cat Paul was just moving around. He was planting churches here, talking about Jesus here, traveling across the ocean over here, or, or the sea over here, and, go, and to, going to this town, telling about Jesus. People were coming to Christ. But then these other dudes came along and said, wait, 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 wait. It can't be that easy. All right, we need to add a couple of things. We need to remind them that there's things, these got, things they just got to do before they can know God. Just, you know, what's this? Just have faith in Jesus stuff. And Paul said, no, man, this is not the way it goes. And they said, well, let's go back to Jerusalem, back to the early church, all right, to the first church where it first got kicked off, all right, where some of the apostles were still at. Even Jesus' brother James was kicking it there. And so they went over there. They said, well, let's go talk to these guys. 
And they said, look, man, we're out here trying to share the gospel and people are coming along and saying, no, they got to do this, 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 and this before they can know Jesus. Peter got up and he said this, man, in Acts 15, 10, he says this. Now, therefore, he says, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? Why are you having these guys do something you can't even do yourself? Right? And then James, uh, James, Jesus' little bro. Jesus' little brother. How would you like to be that guy? Jesus' little brother. You know, growing up in that house. Dang it. <laughs> Jesus did it. No, he didn't. You did it. All right? Anyways. All right? Yeah. <laughs> all right? So he says there here. And Jesus, I mean, Jesus. James gets up and he says this. He goes, therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those Gentiles, those people who don't know they can know God. We shouldn't trouble them who turn to God. I've had people... When we first started the church, they said, you guys are way too felony friendly. <laughs> That's what they tried to tell us. You guys are just way too felony friendly. You allow a lot of felons in here. I'm like, well, they let me in here, so. That's, <laughs> you know what I mean? All right, and I said that. <laughs> but, but, but here, check this out. You know, and they said, well, tell you, you just let anybody in here. Well, Jesus did. Jesus was way felony friendly. Do you remember on the cross? There was a dude, a felon, on the cross next to him. And it's the first cat he brought into heaven with him. All right, he says, he goes, he says, hey, man, you want, you want to go? Yeah, the guy want to go. All right, come on. You know what I mean? You're coming with me. There's the other knucklehead, man, you know, it's your choice. So people say, man, you guys get way too involved in people's messes and they even the messes that they created themselves. They should be able to work it out. No, Jesus was involved in those lives, so should we. It seems that when it comes to Jesus and his church, division comes way too easy, doesn't it? But Jesus said it would. All right. But I want you to I want you to think about something. All right, and this is where, here's the rub, man, because when we make it easier for you to know Jesus, it is still up to you to know Jesus. When we just remove some of the obstacles that may have been put in your way over the years and maybe that you have put there yourselves or other people have put there for you, you know, it is still up to you to know Jesus. And it isn't always easy to do that. There's a lot of letting go that he leads. You got to let go of some of the lies that you believed about him before you come to know him, man. You got to let go of the worship that you allow yourself, right? So that you can worship him more freely. You have to, you know, let go of the unforgiveness you hold against other people, all right? So you can experience his forgiveness more freely. And there's more things, but there's also some pursuits that you probably never thought that you would go after, all right? When we are here to make it easier for you to know Jesus, you still have to know him, and that takes a little bit. There's some pursuits, all right? that you never pursued. You have to pursue a relationship with God that you never knew was possible. And it's hard to chase after things that you thought impossible in this life. All right, you have to, you know, it's up to you to pursue the family that he created that bears his name, the family name, Christian. All right, that name has got trashed over the years. I say it's up to us to redeem it. It's up to you to become the person that you are always meant to be. By pursuing love for others. All right? We're going to pursue love for others that will do everything possible to make 
the love of Christ known to them. That's our work. You see, not everyone is ready for this kind of life. All right? And even a lot more, a lot more are not ready for you to live this kind of life. You know what I mean? Right? This is a life of commitment. And commitment, man, it just causes division a lot of times. It's a life of commitment, man, that daily, daily lives for his glory and no one else's glory. All right? It is a life of commitment that doesn't conform for the sake of comfort, but is rather transformed daily all right, by the renewing of your mind, by the renewing of your heart, and having a life that actually proves that renewal. It's a life that runs to people's pain and doesn't run from it. It's a crazy life, man. It's a life that declares the name, our king. It declares the only king by name, Jesus. Can you say that? Jesus. That's our name. That's our king, Jesus. Can you say it? Hallelujah. Who gave his life to pay for our sin so that we can change the world today and live by his side the rest of our days and even on into eternity. Some people can't handle that, <laughs> right? Can you? Can you handle that? Right, the last, right on, you know, right here. I can handle it. <laughs> the last couple of weeks, man, we've been talking about being readied in Christ. It means being faithful, how it means to be faithful right here, right now. To be ready in Christ means but right now, I'm gonna be faithful here today. Right now, right at any moment, right? And that's straight up loyalty to Christ. That's straight up loyalty. I've, that's a word, man, that we love to say, we love to see, but we have a hard time owning. Loyalty. That kind of loyalty that, that, that stands even when it gets crazy because of that loyalty. You see, following Jesus, man, isn't that easy. It can and it will cause, it's going to cause suffering in your life. It's going to cause controversy in your life. And a lot of times within your own house. Right now you're like, wow, sign me up. <laughs> right? <laughs> Sounds fun. It totally is. Not the controversy and the suffering, of course, but this life. This talk, this is, I'm talking about living fully alive. My brother, I talked to my brother, man, a homeboy of mine uh, back in the day. We talk a lot. He's my brother. He's my, he's my brother, man. All right? And he called me on the other day while we were talking, texting on the phone. And he asked me, hey, man, what are you up to? And the only thing I can say was trying to change the world, man. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Just trying to change the world. And the cool thing about it is, man, that there was no lying in that. Because that's the life that we've been called to. This world-changing life. And that's exactly where Jesus is leading us to this week in the word that he's given us. We've been going through the book of Luke, and it has been crazy. We have been standing these past couple of months in this sermon that God, that, you know, he was just giving mainly to his disciples. But again, there were thousands of people there. And he's just teaching and teaching, and he just gets crazier and crazier and crazier. And today, man, it just kind of stands alone, but it's like the central of everything he's talking about, because he alludes to some stuff, man, that is hardcore. I just want you to lean in, man, because it's going to be real fire today, man. Praise the Lord. All right? Fire. That word fire is crazy, ain't it? Because I don't know about you, but this is like, I, 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 uh, a few years ago, I went to dinner with my son in L.A., and he goes, Dad, you got to check out this food, man. This food is fire. 
I'd never heard anybody say that before. I was like, are they burning it? What's going on here, man? You know what I mean? He's like, no, it's totally fire, right? And I was like, oh, that must be a new word for like really cool, you know, really good, really killer, really awesome, like probably the best, right? And I've been thinking, I want you to, as we think of this word right today, man, I want you to recognize Jesus Christ is fire. You understand? His Holy Spirit is fire. You understand? The word of God is fire. The gospel of Jesus Christ is fire. Nothing can touch it. And you know what? Nothing can stand before it. All right. It's all about him and his glory. Amen. Amen. That's why the title of this sermon is called fire. All right. Say fire. Fire. Praise the Lord. All right. (laughs) Right on, man. We need to pray again because this is crazy. So father, we just give you praise and we're right here in your word, Lord God. And we pray, Lord God, in the name of Christ, Lord God, that we can, oh Lord, that we can just understand. And Lord, that we can just lay down some of the lies that maybe we believed about Christ before this, Lord God, and, and we can be renewed, Lord God, in our thinking, in our being, all for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're in Luke chapter 12, verse 49 going to get a little crazy because look at the way Jesus is talking. All right, it's going to get crazy. All right, Luke 12, starting in 49. Put the words up there, kind of stay with us. Jesus is talking to this crowd. Got through talking about all kinds of crazy stuff, man. You know what I mean? Don't, don't be a hypocrite. Don't worry about, you know, don't, don't try to pretend because people are wanting you, you know, be somebody different than you are. Don't be afraid or ashamed of the name of Christ. All right, recognize the work of his Holy Spirit in your life. All right, recognize, don't, be, don't be caught up in riches, man. Don't be thinking, don't be worried about being poor, man. God has you. It's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. But stay ready, be ready. Ready person, don't need to get, don't, don't need to get ready. All right, at all times. And then he finally says this, man. He goes, look at man, this is Jesus talking. I came to cast a fire on the earth and would that it were already kindled. So much controversy around this statement right here and actually the next couple of statements that he's going to make here today. All right, but I want us to get to this, that plain level ground of what this could be. Some, some scholars say the fire he's talking about is the fire of judgment. Some scholars say the, that it is the fire of his Holy Spirit. Some say it is the fire of his gospel. Some say it is the fire of God's word. I say yes. Yes, it is. Praise the Lord. It is definitely, yes, it is the fire of his Holy Spirit. It is the fire of the word of God in this gospel. Check this out. We shared this back in, back in January, all right? And we were talking, all right, and lifting up the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 6, 16, verse 8, Jesus was talking to his boys that night after he washed their feet. And he was telling them about the Holy Spirit and the fire of the Holy Spirit when he said, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin. That is fire and righteousness. That is fire and judgment. And that is fire, all right? And what that mean? What, is it, what does it mean to convict the world uh, concerning sin? Sin, what is it? It is the truth about mankind. It is the truth about us, man. We are sinners, dude. Man, I don't even, I can't say it any more uh, plain. All right, we're sinners. And, one, one, and then what is righteousness? Righteousness is the truth about God. All right, he is not a sinner. All right, he is not sin. He, sin does not, he is pure, he is holy, he is amazing. He is all, almighty, he is God. And judgment is the inevitable combination of these truths when he says that the Holy Spirit will convict the world, recognize that we're sinners, will convict the world of righteousness, also recognize that he is not and he is righteous and all that, and then convict the world of judgment, the inevitable combination of these two. What the Holy Spirit is doing is he is pointing us to Jesus. 
and our need for Christ, the good news of his gospel. Jesus said, I came to cast a fire on this earth and would that it were already kindled. The fire is the finished work on the cross. It's his resurrection from the grave. It's his Holy Spirit set in the hearts of those who trust him. All right, when we trust the finished work and the resurrection, he gives us his Holy Spirit who empowers us to live the life that we were created to live. A life that is on fire for Christ. Amen? A life that is on fire for God. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, now, I'm going to tell you something that I like to tell you every week. Man, it's essential. It's essential that we tell you every week. Every time we have an opportunity to talk, I need to share something with you. But I'm going to share it a little bit differently today. And I really need you to lean in right now, okay? You ready? Are you leaning in? I need you to really lean in, man. I mean, if you can give me five minutes of your undivided attention. I know there's other things going on around you where you're trying to listen to this whole sermon and stuff like that. But just, I just need like five minutes. Because I want to tell you, I want to take you to a place as we talk about the gospel, as we talk about what Jesus actually did. Now, he says this next verse, and it's kind of crazy. He says, I have a baptism to be baptized with. And how great is my distress until it is accomplished. And this word distress means that, he's, that Jesus is greatly troubled. And we never really hear a lot about him being, you know, tripping and stuff like that, right? He's usually the coolest dude on the scene, right? Isn't he? And so what's up with him? What is he talking about right here? And some would say that he's talking about this, this pain and suffering he's getting ready to go through on the cross, the physical anguish and stuff like that, that he's getting ready to go on the cross. And, and yeah, that's, that's coming, and, and I'm sure he's pretty concerned about that, but I think it's way deeper than that. All right, lean in. Lean in, man. I think it's way deeper than that. You see, Jesus, Jesus' distress is that he is soon going to take on the, whole, the sins of the, of the whole world, past sins, present sins, and future sins. And you're like, I know I heard that. Wait, stay with me on this. We, we know that. We've heard that. Yeah, the sins of the whole world. He's taking on the sins of the world, man. All right, well, wait a second. I don't know that we can understand, humanly understand, what that distress could ever be like. Why? Because we choose to sin. We have sins that we choose to do, man. All right, and we go after, we buy, we buy tickets, all right, for sin. All right, we save money, we put aside cash, all right, for some sins. All right, we choose to sin, but Jesus was gonna have all of our sin thrown upon him. You see, we choose what sins, all right, or what sins are that we're gonna allow, and, and, and then we, we know that we, 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 we avoid the ones that actually disgust us, right? There's some sins that we'll allow in our life, and there's some stuff that just disgusts us. That's disgusting. All right, we have some sins in our life that we don't mind other people to see, right? But there's also some sins in our life that, that we hide because deep inside, we don't even like it. And deep inside, we're, not, we're just freaking out. We're not sure we can even stop. His death on the cross, his resurrection from the grave gives, gives those who trust the gospel the amazing gift of our God, the Holy Spirit, to empower us to overcome the sin that just so easily entangles us. Imagine, 
All right, right here, this is the big part. I want you to imagine this with me. Imagine what it would be like. Remember, let me remind you of the verse that we're in right here. I have a baptism. Jesus says, I have a baptism to be baptized with. And how great is my distress until it is accomplished. I want you to imagine something with me. What would it be like for you to have the most heinous sins in the world put on you? The most ugly sins you can think of just put on you. The sins that if that maybe even disgust you, just put on you, as well as your own. Imagine what it would be like if everyone you loved and everyone you respected could see those sins on you. Come on, are you, just think about this with me, please. I'm not telling you these things, man, because I want you to just feel ashamed. I want you to grab a hold of what, what, what he's distressed with, this, this baptism that he's getting ready to take on, this immersion into this, this suffering. The greatest suffering that Jesus suffered on the cross was not the physical torment that he was experiencing, which was great. It was a hardcore but there was a suffering that he was taking place and it was this right here. Imagine what it would be like if, if everyone you loved, everyone you respected, everyone you wanted to see the best of you, all right, could see all the sins, the most heinous sins of the world on you. And right there, you just might get a glimpse of what Jesus was experiencing or was about to experience here when he said this. He who never sinned, never even entertained the thought of sin, was he who was most pure, most holy, most blameless, totally blameless, was about to bear, to be clothed in every one of our hidden sins and even the sins that repulse us the most, even sins that you would never think of committing, sins that you might even wish the death penalty on people, sins against you and sins against your loved ones. He willingly took and wore them right in front of God, his Father. He didn't do any of them. He didn't even think of doing them. But he chose to own them. to wear them, to take them on in his flesh. And at that point, right there on the cross, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you looking the other way? Why can't you, why, where are you? I, you know, for the first time in Jesus's life and you know, for the first time ever, he, you know, God could not look at his own son. He had to look away from his son. The purity of God cannot look upon our sin on his son. Would you be able to look at it? How many times do you see some sin? You just have to turn away. Would you have been able to look at all of it? And then as Jesus was about to die, bearing the sins of humanity 
in its entirety. Finally, he said, it is, it is finished. And then he, he breathed uh, his last, said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. He said, it is finished. It's accomplished. He took uh, the sin of the whole planet, past, present, and future, all right? And he paid off all his requirements, paid in full. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I couldn't even pay for mine. But he covered you, and he covered me, and he covered everyone. And he said, it is finished. It is accomplished. He says, I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. That's a big deal. And see, if we, his family, his kids, God's family, when we own that gospel message, it creates unity amongst the family, but it creates it causes division in the world. Right? No, no, no other faith or religion on the planet has been attacked like Christianity, like followers of Christ who, who bear this message. All right? It causes more contention and controversy. I mean, there's all kinds, there's religions popping up every day. Right? There is. Got a tortilla down in Tucson. Looks like Mother Teresa, and everybody's worshiping that tortilla. It's this new religion. Everybody's like, yeah, come on. It's awesome. Let them do what they want. There's a point. But we come over here, and we sit in front of the cross and recognize Christ. I mean, what are you, man? You dang Christians. <laughs> but Jesus said, and this is a crazy, another controversial verse. We're going See what we can do, you know, kind of help understand what he's telling us. He says, do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? If he would have left that question, we would have said, yes. Didn't he? Didn't he say that? There's something in there that says that, didn't there? He says, no. I'll tell you, but rather division. And now we're tripping. Now we're distressed. We're like, wait a second, what do you mean, Jesus? I thought, you know, isn't that one time when, when, when the angels came and the glory of men and peace on earth, goodwill towards men and all that stuff? Didn't that happen? That's not what they said. We always get some of these verses mixed up. All right, they said, glory to God in the highest and peace among those with whom he is pleased. And who is God pleased with? Those who can see, receive, trust the Son of God. And there is peace. But he says, you think I, I came to bring peace on earth? He goes, no, nah, man, rather division. Because there's what I know, man. If, 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 if I know Jesus, if you know Jesus, then, 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 then you'll know peace. You've heard this before. No Jesus, no peace. But if you know Jesus, you will know peace. But if you don't have Jesus, you really won't have peace. 
no matter how much you try to create a peaceful environment, all right, if, you might have peace around you. You might have a peaceful front yard and peaceful backyard, all right? You maybe have set some rules at the shop, at work, and stuff like that so we can be a little more peaceful around here. But internal peace, all right, the peace that surpasses all understanding, that guards your heart and your mind. Without Christ, you won't have that. He says, you think I come to give peace on earth? He says, no, but rather division. And I'm going to tell you, Randy, we know this because division, all right, with commitment, all right, division always follows. Division will always follow commitment. When commitment separates us all. We know this, man. You know, hey, wait, 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 we're a political party. Division, all right? What, what social atmosphere do you look at? Division, all right? Uh, you know, what football team do you like? Division, you know what I mean? There's, there's always, you know, with, with, with complete commitment, there's always going to be division. But again, there has been no faith on the planet that has or is being attacked and causing more division than than fully following Christ. Why? Because in all those other areas, we can lean on one side and we'll lean back to the other, lean on one side. Here, man, there is following Christ with complete loyalty, period. That's it. That's all we got. See, we, we contain this fire that he came to, 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 came to cast on the planet. Yeah, but I, and to be fair, man, sometimes Christians cause the division when it wasn't necessary. All right? Telling people about Jesus. You know what I'm talking about. Telling people about Jesus right up in their grill and you have not brushed your teeth. That's a problem. Big problem. Right? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Let me just pray with you. Pray and all that. Like, like, you like that Pepe Le Pew trying, cat trying to get away? Anyways. Some of you, if you just aged myself. But anyways, all right? So we contain the fire, but too often we use it to burn people rather than to lift people up and light them up and light up their life, which is why we're here, man, to bring light to the planet, right, with this fire, the fire of God. Amen? He says... He says, from now on, whoops, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> he says, from now on, in one house, there will be five divided against three, two against three, uh, five divided, three against two, and two against three. And he's going to say some stuff we don't quite like, but we need to add some understanding here. They will be divided. Father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And basically what he's saying is our commitment will cause division with those who just are not committed. And it doesn't, it's not, he's not saying this is us or, me, or, us or them. Man, just choose your side, man. You know, Jesus has caused us to love humanity for his glory. And, and the division should never be because we are creating division. Division because of your loyalty and your commitment to Christ, that's going to happen, man. You've already experienced it if you're following Jesus. You know, making that your superpower in life, I'm a committed follower of Jesus, getting people away, that's wrong. Commitment to following Christ is, is an amazing other world love for even those who can't stand you. 
commitment will cause division. And you'll find more division in a household when somebody becomes a Christ other than any other faith. Now, taking that to the extreme, I shared with you years ago a story of, a true story of a girl named Anila, Anila and Praveen. And they lived in a country where Christianity was pretty much outlawed. And Anila was just a follower of Christ, man. She just couldn't help it. She had a little pastor. She had her pastor. A little pastor. She had a little pastor. not that big. All right. She had a pastor, right, that she would follow. All right. And that was, you know, she would follow him and just kind of, they would, they would you know, had a little church gathering, underground church gathering and stuff. And she actually got a, a Bible for her friend Praveen. And she shared with her some of the songs that they would sing. And she brought Praveen to one of her services, and Praveen gave her life to Christ, man, and started following Jesus, but her family wasn't having it. See, she had her set up in an arranged marriage with a person of a completely different faith. And Praveen ran away from home. And the family couldn't find her. And they heard about this following Christianity and stuff, and they knew that Anila, they heard some rumors about her and having a pastor, and they had them arrested. Right? Had them arrested and beaten and tortured and whipped. So hard, man, so crazy that, that Anila, after being released from custody, couldn't sit down for two months. Finally, they found Praveen and her older brother. In order to restore honor to their family, stabbed her repeatedly and killed her. He went to jail for two days, I think, and they let him out. I oh, just got rid of another Christian. That's very extreme, you think. How's that going to happen around here? Oh, but, but, but what happens in our home? Let me ask you this. Why is our house the hardest place to share our faith? Think about that. I mean, the hardest person in, the, in my family to share Christ with so far was my dad. Partly because I had a problem with my dad for a lot of years. My dad brought me up to be a soldier, and I didn't, you know, when I gave my life to Christ, I was like, hey, you, why'd you do that? But I knew that God wanted me to pray for him. Even though for a while I had a hard time talking to him. And I started praying for him, started praying for him. And sure enough, man, God led me to his door and shared the gospel with my dad. And surprisingly, he, in tears, he received Christ. And today my dad is a follower of Jesus. Sold out. Praise the Lord. Now with our kids, isn't it different? Or with our parents, sometimes I've seen both. It's different. I remember I was a youth pastor down in Tucson and uh, had a little uh, young girl named Monique, always asking us to pray for her mom, who's in and out of jail and doing drugs and stuff like that. And we'd always pray for her, pray for her. And we'd always challenge, always, you know, challenge Monique just to live the gospel out in front of her mom. Live it out, live it out in front of her mom. And man, within a couple of years, man, her mom started coming and hanging out and gave her life over to Christ and has been working in ministry for years now. It's amazing what happens when you just show people the gospel. My wife used to have a, a sign in the house that said, instead of telling your kids the right thing to, you know, no, don't just tell your kids the right thing to do, show them first. Don't just tell them how much they need Jesus, show them how in love with Christ you are. Right? Show them how much Jesus loves them. And I used to tell my son, I've told you some of this before, when I first gave my life to Christ, my son was in sixth grade, man, and I remember telling him, look, son, everything you've seen me do before now has been wrong, man. I've said I've loved you, but I never really showed you. I'm not gonna tell you what I'm gonna do now, but God changed my life. I'm a Christian now, and all I can tell you is walk, is watch, is watch. Just watch me and just see. 
And for years, I've been able to ask my son, are you still watching? Are you still watching? He's 36 now. Or 30-something. Anyways, he's 30-something. <laughs> I think he's 36. He's 37. But I can still tell him, man, are you watching? Are you still watching, son? It's okay to let your family know that you're not perfect. And you're, you're, you're not perfect as, as, you're called to be perfect, but we're still working on that, right? And every once in a while, you might have to repent to your children. And that is not a bad thing to do. It is an amazing thing to humble yourself before your child and say, look at man, that was wrong. What you saw was wrong. I'm asking you, please forgive me. To tell your child that, that's a big deal, man. To be able to go to your child, man. I mean, I went to my kids home more than a few times and asked them, hey, have I done something that has caused a disruption, something that I didn't pay attention to, something that I'm not, and I've had each of my kids say, yep, matter of fact, it's right here, all right? And so, <laughs> I know you're taking notes like that, but all right, what is it, you know? And I've had them tell me, man, and I asked them for forgiveness because there are a lot of things I wasn't even paying attention to the way I should be. Asked them to forgive me, and they did. And we move forward. Asking your spouse for forgiveness is so huge and so big. And without justification, well, I wouldn't have if, no, 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 no. He says, the word says, as far as depends on you, live at peace with people. And sometimes that requires the saying, look at man. I mean, even if it was all, you know, it doesn't matter. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have spoke to you that way. I should have did that. Please forgive me. It goes a long way, man. Jesus said, you know what? There's going to be division in the household. But man, as far as it depends on you, you need to live in peace. What we need to do is we need to create a Jesus culture in our home that doesn't demand that you respond to me like Jesus, but, 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 but instead attracts and invites everyone to come and see, to come and see. I love when the first disciples started following Jesus. Jesus came across this cat named Phil. Uh, well, call him, I call him Phil, but I think his name was Philip, all right? He come across this guy named Philip, all right? This is a, uh, you know, he told him to follow him, and he started following him, and he got crazy. He went to go get his buddy, Nathaniel, and he found Nathaniel, and he's like, bro, check this out. And he tells him all this cool stuff about Jesus, and he goes, this is the guy, man, that the Bible has been speaking about. This is him. You need to, you need to check it out. And he's from Nazareth, and Nathaniel goes, can anything good come from Nazareth? He says, right, and he says, Philip says, you know what? Come and see. Come and see. Isn't trash, man? You're just gonna go to hell. That's all there is to it. You know, he didn't tell him that. He says, come and see, man. Come and see. How can we be more like, like Phil? <laughs> be like Phil. We're gonna get a sticker. Be like Phil. All right? <laughs> How can we be more like Phil when it comes to our family? I just come and see, man. Uh, you know, we don't need to invite every one of our family to a, a church service. You are the church. Show them your service. You understand? Serve your family with the love of Christ, whether they deserved it or not, because I guarantee you, none of us deserved it, right? Serve them. Tell them to come and see.
Instead of just telling people about your life in Christ, invite them into it. You got that? We're always looking for ways to tell people about Jesus. I think that could be, can actually work against what we're trying to accomplish sometimes because people really don't want to hear that. But the more, the most disciples that God has used me to make, actually all of them have been people that I invited into my life. And I love that my brother said this one day, Brendan Case, he said, true discipleship is me letting you share my life at the cost of my life so that you can see and experience Jesus. True is me letting you share my life at the cost of my life just so you can see and experience Jesus. Sharing your faith right now like that is, is, that is our relational responsibility. And so this week, here's what I want you to do. All right? I want you to be that fire, all right? Amen? All right? Like last week, I asked you to write down some names of some people that you're struggling with. Three names of some people. I want you to start praying for them in a particular way, right? Well, this week, I want you to take one of those names, all right? And if you haven't done this, I want you to think of somebody, all right, that, that, that maybe there's, there's, there's a struggle you have with them. All right, and more likely somebody maybe even in your household or in your family. And so, and here, 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 here's, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, number one, I want you to read that, just read John chapter one, verse 43 through 46. Sorry, I've got ahead of myself. Read John chapter one, verse 43 through 46. It's that story I just told you about Phil and Nathaniel. It's this very simple story. Just read that, you know, for the rest of this week, just every seven days, for the rest of the seven days, these next seven days, read that every morning. John chapter one, verse 43 through 46. And you'll see where Phil ends up saying, well, come and see. And then I want you, number one, pick one of those three people you prayed for. And then I want you to challenge yourself with a great question that you need to answer by the, ne- by the end of this week. Don't make yourself answer it tomorrow. Give yourself some time to pray through this because you're still praying for these people, right? You're still praying for this one person. Pick one of those three people. Number two, ask yourself a question. How can I show them Jesus's love or that Jesus loves them? How can I show them Jesus loves them? How can I show them Jesus loves them. It's easy to walk by and say, well, you know what? Jesus loves you. Too bad you're going to hell. Anyways, all right. So, you know what I mean? It's really easy to walk like that. You know what I mean? Well, we do that. Instead of doing that, how can you show them Jesus loves them? So, number one, so read that verse. Number one, pick one of those people that you pray for. Continue to pray for them. Number two, ask yourself, how can I show them Jesus loves them. And here's the big one. Number three, do it. Do it. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. All right. Be that fire, man.